Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Hello, friend. How's it going? I hope you're having a lovely week. Uh, So far, I am. I'm meeting up with some friends for a bachelorette party in Vegas this week, which sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm sure it will be. But let me tell you, after two years out of the game, having a baby in between there, like I don't know that I'm going to be able to keep up. Okay, I feel like this is an exercise or like an enormous workout that I'm about to do. I haven't stretched these muscles of like all day and night drinking and aggressive dancing and frolicking around the casino. I haven't done that for a very long time now, as I know a lot of people in the world are are feeling that. And again, after having a baby, oh my God, your stamina with the, the drinking is just different. I'm a little nervous, but I am really excited going with a group of my girlfriends from college all have been lifelong friends. We're celebrating one of their bachelorette parties. And some of them are also in the same boat as me where they've just had children in the last two years. So I imagine there might be some hysterical conversations about like breastfeeding and baby teething, that type of thing that you wouldn't expect to be talking about at like a table at a club while Tiesto is playing and people are raging around you. But I think that's probably what the scenario is going to be. I'm sure it'll be lots of fun. I can't wait. From one celebration to the next, this week I've been celebrating my dad's birthday. He would have been 68 this year, which is fine. I I think he died when he was 63. He's still in the 60s is okay. I think once I get to 70, I think that's going to feel really weird. I think I kind of felt that way when I turned 30. Like he never knew me in my 30s. I was 27 when he died. It was only he only knew me in my 20s. He's never going to know me in the 30s. I don't know if it's like kind of feeling the same thing. Like I'm never actually going to physically see him in his 70s. And what would he be looking like? Would there be more wrinkles? Would he be a little bit more gray? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he loves the fact that he's going to forever stay 63 and somewhat young in his mind. I'm sure he wishes he were like 40. And the fact that he's not aging anymore is great to him. But it's just this weird concept that I have about him aging, but not really aging. I don't know if that's just completely stranger or maybe it's something that you think about too. His birthday was on the 12th. Mark and I were actually staying at a hotel. We took a little night trip up to Santa Barbara to the Rosewood Miramar Beach Hotel, which is a beautiful, beautiful resort. We got married at the Rosewood in Bahamar in the Bahamas, and we absolutely love it there. So we figured we wanted to check out another Rosewood. We had kind of did like a a drive-by before we stopped in when we drove the PCH a couple years ago. And we knew that it was beautiful, so we decided to make a night of it. What a relaxing trip. So beautiful to just step away from work and from craziness for a little bit and just be together and just talk about our life and reflect where we are and how far we've come both in in our grief and our careers and as parents. It was nice to be able to do that. And then again, since the next day when we woke up, it was my dad's birthday. There's this Italian sport called bocce. I know it's not like super popular, so I don't know if you're aware of it, but there's this tiny little ball called the Paulina where you throw that out and then each team 
gets for bigger balls and you have to throw them in certain ways to get it as close to the smaller ball that you can. It's fun. It's, you know, people drink, they sit out in the sun, they have some a good times and good conversation around the game. And it was one of my dad's favorites. We actually had gone to a bocce court in our town and that was how we spent the last Father's Day I had had with him. It definitely has a special spot in my memory. And it was really bizarre that this hotel had a bocce court again, because it's not super popular, but it was an Italian-based hotel. It's an Italian sport. So they had it there. So Mark and I spent my dad's birthday playing one of his favorite games. It felt very serendipitous. It felt very nice. And I, my heart felt happy to be able to do that. Well, that's enough about my life. Today's episode, no guests, just me. I've always gotten a lot of questions in my DMs, which I absolutely love. I love it when you guys slide into my DMs. I love to feel that I can help you in any way. I love to guide you on the right path, send you certain resources, whatever it is that I possibly can do. And I started to think, you know what? Maybe I should be bringing these questions to the forefront. Maybe I should be bringing them here on this podcast and that other people can be benefiting from them too because I do see some duplicates or some things that are like, wow, that's a really good question. I'm sure that could help other people as well. So today I have five questions that have been in my DMs. Questions are ranging from what to do about dreams of your lost loved one, what to do with your lost loved one's things, what to do if you need to help support a friend and you don't really know how. We're getting into all of that today, plus some news in the headlines about grief. And at the end, I'll tell you what to expect next on on the So Sorry for Your Lost podcast. Um, before we get into everything, as always a reminder, please go to Apple Podcast, rate and review the podcast. Certainly helps me know if I'm doing a good job and it helps the podcast rank so that other people can find the podcast. Go do another griever a solid and go rate the So Sorry for Your Lost podcast. Give it some five stars. Help it get up there in the rankings so that other grievers can find it as well. Also, if you haven't heard the news, so exciting. Ooh, that was like a, a, a nice little vibrato I have going on there. <laughs> so exciting. I partnered with Good Grief. It is a care package shop. They have these already put together packages that you can send to loved ones when they're going through a tough time. They have it for like everything. People going through chemo, someone going through infertility, someone experiencing miscarriage, all sorts of things. And I have teamed up with them for the So Sorry for Your Loss, Not Your Average Grief box. This box has exactly what the modern woman would need when grieving. I will link to it in the show notes. There's one of my favorite books. There's a candle with a little reminder that you're doing a freaking great job at it. Keep going. There is a nod pod. Oh my God, have you guys ever felt this? It's like a weighted blanket, but for your eyes. And that paired with the cooling eye gel pads. I mean, when you have been crying like crazy, your eyes are so swollen and so puffy. And the combination of these two, the, the gel pads and the nod pod, this like weighted blanket is just glorious. The package also has a beautiful pink journal because I really encourage anybody that's going through grief to get out all of the feelings. What do we always say? You have to feel it to heal it. Get out those feelings right out on your grief as much as you can. So if you've been on the hunt for something to send a friend of yours that's going through a tough time, go check out shopgoodgrief.com for the SSFYL collaboration. That's shopgoodgrief.com and it's the Not Your Average Grief Box. And and that is just one of the first of many fun collaborations that I have coming up, fun things that we have going on here at So Sorry for Your Loss. Again, thanks for listening today. I'm so happy that you're here. Let's get on into the episode. All right, let's get into these questions from you guys. Number one, this person writes, I'm not ready to let go of some of my mom's things, but I know it's ridiculous to hold on to some of them. Part of me thinks it'll feel lighter to part with them, but I'm worried about the what if 
and if I hate myself for letting them go. When did you know it was time with your dad's things? Okay, so this is a great question and something I'm sure that everyone goes through. And for starters, I haven't parted with all of my dad's things. I There are definitely some useless, useless articles that are still sitting in my closet. But to be fair, I did part with a lot of it, especially because we've moved gosh, like three or four times, honestly, in like the past five years since my dad died. Um, I don't know. There's not there. There isn't a time frame for this, right? Like, first of all, everyone's going to have a different experience. People are going to want to get rid of things right away. I certainly know stories where that has happened. I think in the beginning of my grief, I was horrified at that thought. And now five years out, I'm like, okay, I can understand why that just might be somebody's version of coping to get rid of everything. Maybe it is a lighter feeling. Maybe it does make them feel more sad seeing it, whatever it is. I mean, everybody's entitled to their own version of grief, right? We talk about that all the time. But I also think the other thing to look at here is that there isn't a specific like you need to get rid of it by this date or this is how you're going to feel like you're going to wake up one day and know that it is the right thing to do. It doesn't necessarily happen that way. I think for me, it was I had to evaluate it as each opportunity came up. So each time that we were moving or each time that I was spring cleaning or having a day where I was most likely riddled with anxiety and just needed to organize something to make me feel like I had control of anything in my life. When I had those opportunities and I sat down and I looked at the items, I said, okay, how does this serve me right now? Is it benefiting me in any way in my life? Am I able to look at this and feel joy? And probably half of the time the answer was no, but the harder part was, am I able to part with this and feel okay? And if the answer there still wasn't yes, then I wouldn't. I I wouldn't put that stress on myself. I would just know that it wasn't forever. It wasn't me saying no in this moment now means that I'm going to hold on to this item forever and it's going to weigh me down and I'm always going to think about it and I'm going to think. And you know, I like in the question how the person even said, I know it's ridiculous to hold on to some of them. And that's true. You do feel ridiculous. I mean, I've talked about it before. I held on to a ruler from my grandmother. I have like my dad's old glasses. They don't fit me. They're not anything I'm ever going to wear. But for some reason, it's so much of his identity that I want to hold on to to those things. But you will get that opportunity again to go back to it and say, okay, now maybe a year ago, I didn't want to give it up. How do I feel now? So it's not this ridiculous thing that you have to have sitting on your shoulders forever. Know that you always have the chance and your feelings are going to change. And one time when you look at it, you might say, you know what, I don't need this physical item anymore. Um, a good episode we did on this was with the organization professionals from Neat Nick. I'll link to that episode in the show notes so that you can go back there and refer to it. They gave some really good advice on what to do if you are trying to go through some of your things and decide, should I get rid of this? Should I keep it? Where does it go if I am getting rid of it? I don't just want to throw it away. You know, sometimes there's donations and organizations that you could send it to. So that is a really good episode. But I hope that helps. I do think that this concept of the what if, if you're still worrying that you might be upset with yourself for letting something go, then it may not be time yet and know that you can evaluate it the next time. 
Next question. This person wrote in saying, a friend from years ago, one that I'm not close with anymore, lost her dad recently. We had a falling out and I'm still bitter about it. So it wouldn't be appropriate for me to invite myself over and help her hands on. But I've experienced loss myself and know how horrible it is and want to at least do something for her. Are there any books you can recommend? Do you think that would be a nice gesture? I really want to commend this person because... That is a very tricky situation where it's not someone you talk to on a daily basis. It's not someone that you even have like fond feelings of right now. It seems like this falling out still is something that is triggering to her. She used the word bitter here. But going through it herself, she knows how miserable this is and knows how hard loss can be. And she's basically saying, I still want to be there for her, but in a way that doesn't require me to basically go against my beliefs and how I feel in this argument that we had. Props to her because I think sending a book is a perfect gesture. I think sending a book at any time, not even in this type of situation like they had a fight, but like even to one of your very best friends is a great gesture. Some of my favorite books are going to be offered in the upcoming Grief Boutique, so that will be exciting. Um, But two that I can really offer right off of the bat are two that really helped me in my time of grief. Number one is Modern Loss, the original book, The Candid Conversations About Grief by Rebecca Sofer and Gabrielle Berkner. Spoiler alert, Rebecca Sofer will be on this podcast in a couple weeks. Ah! Oh my God, so excited. Okay, I don't want to derail the conversation here. But this book was the first time that I really was able to see, oh, hold on, people talk about grief in a way that is modern, a la the modern loss title, and in a way that can be funny and humorous and with a little bit of jest and sarcasm to it. I felt when I was still in my early grief and it was hard for me to connect with people that had gone through it because I just myself wasn't open to talking about it as much because I was still just trying to sort through what the hell was going on. Sitting there with this book made me feel like I was talking with a friend or just with a group of people who'd gone through it and getting their take on grief. And and again, like in a way that was a little bit more down to earth, I guess I want to say. Um, so again, that one's called Modern Loss, Candid Conversations About Grief. The second book that was, I think, transformational for me, and I've talked about it a bunch, is Option B by Sheryl Sandberg. Option B, the full title is Option B, Facing Adversity, Building Resilience, and Finding Joy. It's by Sheryl Sandberg. She was the C- COO, the COO, lots of letters, COO of Facebook. And she lost her husband suddenly when they were on a trip to Mexico. Absolutely traumatic story. I mean, she talks about how helpless she felt in the sense of his death, but then being in another country and then how to handle it with her children. Just horrible, horrible. She tells her story and how she moved on and how it was. There is no pause button. You can't stop your life, especially when you have two children that you're raising, especially when you are working at an enormous company like Facebook. She talked a little bit about the behind the scenes there, and that was certainly interesting to get into. And then she goes into stories of others. So other people that have gone through grief or really trying and traumatizing times in their life and how they have crawled back from that. It was the first time that I was introduced to this phrase of post-traumatic growth. I feel like I can almost remember the moments of me turning the pages and being like, holy shit. So you're telling me that something good can come out of this? That I'm not completely doomed? That people start organizations in the memory of their loved one and they go on to raise money and they go on to create bonds and, and friendships and new things in their life without their person? It was huge for me. And I think what I really credit for me being on the journey that I'm on now, 
So all of that to say, I would recommend it to anybody because it was so helpful for me. So those are my two, modern loss, candid conversations about grief, and option B, facing adversity, building resilience, and finding joy. Again, I will link to both of those in the show notes. Okay, next question. This person writes in short and sweet, I want to help my friend open up a bit more about her brother, but I don't know what to say without making it awkward. Any suggestions? Okay, first I want to say that this is so common. I get this in my DMs all the time, especially phrased in a way of like, I want to talk with my friend about the fact that it's their so-and-so's anniversary, but I don't want to make them sad, so I don't want to say anything. What do you think I should do? And I love that you guys are thinking about it. That's the first step, right, is even acknowledging that somebody else is going through it. Because listen, and even if you're listening to this now and you lost somebody, like you probably feel that way with somebody else is grief like I have made this my life to talk about grief and it's still uncomfortable to bring it up to somebody else because everybody goes through it completely differently but what I like to say in this is what have people done for me that have felt really good and almost like really surprising in a good way and that's weaving it into conversation so if I say something about my dad they then will take it and run with it and try to ask more questions so that's certainly a way that you could do it it seems like in this scenario the person who wrote in said that the person that their friend is having a hard time opening up about it this is she's trying to make her open it up a little bit more but again weaving it into conversation and just the mundane things of life. So if you're going out to lunch and they ordered tacos. Oh, so did your brother like Mexican food too? What was his favorite type of food? Oh, really? Did you guys ever go to a, you know, if he said Italian, did you guys ever go to an Italian restaurant? What was like, do you have a funny memory from a, a restaurant that you went to? Or if you're going to an event with somebody and you can say, hey, is this a type of event your brother would have liked to go to? Is it something he would have wanted to, to join us for? With questions like those, I know it's easy to think like, oh, I'm just reminding them that her brother isn't here to be here with us. No, you're not reminding her of that. She is well aware of that and has probably thought of it 587 times on your way to the event. It is taking the elephant out of the room, mentioning it, and giving her an opportunity to talk about it and say, yeah, actually, he would have loved this. Or no, this is so not his thing. He he would have hated this. Oh, okay. Like, what is more his thing? What would he have wanted to do? And then that gives you a chance to talk about it a little bit more. It's, it's really just weaving it into everyday conversation. And the more that they'll start to open up, the more they will get comfortable talking about some of the darker feelings that they're they're having some of the the sadness and the depression and, and missing the person it'll make them feel a little bit more comfortable with you seeing that you are comfortable having those conversations because i think the norm for us to feel and you may feel this too is that not everybody likes to talk about grief so we don't know who our people are just yet um so try that out let me know how that goes all right, moving right along. This is fun. I like this. Next question is a long one, but it is a good one. Okay, the writer says, how did you feel after you had the first dream about your dad where he seemed real and like nothing had happened? I asked because it finally happened for me last night, but when I woke up, I found myself in a mood, capitalized M-O-O-D. I was just not myself and a little snappy. I think I was just feeling angry and annoyed because it was such a comforting experience while the dream was happening. But then waking up, it was the sobering reality that it was just a dream and it was a huge letdown. Ugh. I totally feel you on this one. I am lucky in the sense that I had a lot of dreams with my dad. I've had a few with my friend that passed away last year and they're a double-edged sword. Because in the moment, it feels so good 
It feels that they're right there. I can like see and feel and touch and hug them and to be in their presence and to have this, just the the aura of them around me feels amazing. But then when you wake up, or sometimes for me, even in the dream, when I realize that, oh God, this is not real, that they are actually dead, that this is just a figment of my imagination or a visit or whatever it may be, but that it's not real. And that when I wake up and the reality is I'm not going to be able to reach out and touch them like I just did in the dream, it's really freaking hard. It's really hard. So I don't know, like if I could take it away, would I? I don't know that I would because I I do like being able to have that feeling every now and then, but it comes at a cost because as the writer here says, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a mood after it for a, sometimes a while it's hard sometimes I'm, I'm I'm physically crying in the dream and I wake up and my eyes are puffy or I have a headache or I'm just like shot like the day is shot because reality is that they're not there and that was all fake and it's like you are grieving all over again because you have to remind yourself or convince yourself of what the truth is again with that said I don't know that I would give it up. But so just to confirm to this person that that is totally normal. That happens to me quite often. The first dream that I had with my dad was pretty traumatic. I forget if I've talked about it on the show before, but the long story short is I was in my dad's house. I saw him kind of like through the light into another room and he wouldn't really look at me. And I ran after him and knew that he was gone. And I said, oh my God, you're here. You're here. Are you staying? And he just kept saying, go call your mother. Go call your mom. Go call your mom. And that was really traumatic for me because I felt he was mad at me. He didn't want to see me. There was something wrong. Um, A lot of it was tied into, you know, there was a lot of decisions that I had to make too as his next to Kim at the, you know, basically when he was in the hospital, when he was dying and I felt like he was upset with me about something. He just kept saying, go call your mom or like, I'm not here for you anymore. This isn't my responsibility. Go call your mother. Obviously, it was really upsetting. Uh, Lo and behold, a few days later, my mom ended up in the hospital with what they thought was a heart issue, which is what my dad passed away from. We were lucky that it wasn't. She was rightfully so underneath a lot of stress. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I look back at it now and realize like maybe it wasn't even just a dream. It was like an actual visit from him or a sign. He was giving me the message to, hey, don't worry about me right now. I need you to go worry about your mom. That in itself was also really crazy and a lot for me to process of, okay, like, is he able to talk to me in dreams now? And then, you know, you go to sleep each night and you hope to get one. And when you don't, that's upsetting. It's upsetting when you do. It's upsetting when you don't. It is like a four-sided sword and every single side is sharp. (laughs) It's a crazy, crazy thing. Also, I think it's this facet of grief that people don't realize that we go through. You know, you may not realize why on a random Tuesday at work, somebody is really in a miserable mood and it's hard to say, oh, well, I had a dream about my person last night and that just opens up a whole can of worms. So yes, the capital M-O-O-D that you are in, this mood after the dream is totally normal. It's totally normal to not feel yourself, to be a little snappy. I can't say that that really changes. I I think it 
continues. Um, again, for me, I'm five years out. This person who wrote in just lost their dad within the last year. But for me, I'm five years out, still kind of feel that way. Be interested to see how somebody feels 10, 20 years out after their loss, if it's still something that can spark some anger or uncomfortable feelings or what. And maybe the, the dreams change after a while too. And I don't know, do people get good at controlling their dreams? Can you control how you dream of somebody? Mm, wouldn't that be a a moneymaker if you could. All right, last question. It's the shortest question that we have, but I think it's the one that required the most thought. The person writes, what are some of your favorite quotes on grief? Hmm, I have so many, I think. There's so many for so many different types of grief. I have a highlight reel on my social, on my Instagram, at so sorry with Gianna, that are like a bunch of quotes that I've posted over the years. And so I was like, oh, let me go back to that and see some of my favorites. And it's funny because I guess where I am right now, you know, I'm not having an extremely griefy day. I'm feeling pretty good. So some of the darker quotes, I would say, or quotes that would pertain to like extreme acute grief might have been my favorite on another day. But for today, it's not pertaining to what I'm going through. So that wasn't it. But I I know I think it really can be different on what exactly that you're feeling with your grief. But I I encourage you to go to the highlight reel on my Instagram. And then there are a couple from who I think is the Dalai Lama of grief herself, Nora McInerney. I adore her. If you don't know Nora McInerney, you need to. She hosts Terrible Thanks for Asking, which is an American public media podcast about grief. How you doing? I'm terrible. Thanks for asking. She She's just great. She's funny. She's poignant. She has a, an incredible story. She lost her dad, her husband, and a baby in pregnancy all within like, I think like six months to a year of each other. She went through it hard and fast. She has since wrote, uh, I think, several books at this point. She's created a group for widows. Like I said, hosts this podcast. Um, One of my favorites from her that I think really pertains, no matter what phase of grief you're in, she says, I would never say that time heals grief. I can only say that in my experience, time changes grief and grief changes you over and over and over. It never stops. That really hits the nail on the head for me. That's how I look at grief. I don't think that time heals grief because I think the word healing makes it seem as if it goes away, right? Like, oh, okay, like if you have a scar on your body, is it healing? Oh yeah, like it's it's starting to go away. It doesn't, grief doesn't go away, but grief certainly changes. I would say that I'm healed from like my acute version of grief, which is how I always like to say it, like the acute like right after the funeral type of thing. We talked about this a lot in the last episode with Michelle Benio. Um, But yeah, it doesn't heal completely. It doesn't go away. It changes. Grief changes. Grief can change from hour to hour, can change day to day. Like I was just saying previously, you know, like I'm not having a griefy day right now, but that can change as we're talking about tomorrow. And with that, the grief changes you. So the grief is changing, you're changing, all this change happening at once. If you're somebody that's not great with change, like I certainly was, you're going to have to learn to love it. (laughs) Still getting there, but definitely much better than I was. Um, But yeah, the grief changes you and, and that's not always a bad thing. It's not. I look at the changes that I've gone through over the last five years and I'm grateful for them. Um, I think you don't always see them when you're in it. I think it's something you have to look back on 
maybe a few years down the road and be like, okay, I can see that that was a good thing, that that change happened and I'm happy that it did. But she's so right on that, hits the nail on the head that your grief changes with time and that grief changes you over and over and over again, it never stops. Another one that I've really liked, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier with the question about how can someone talk to their friend about their brother who, who died. This is a quote from the Life, Death, Whatever Instagram. You are not reminding me that they died. You are reminding me that they lived. And that is really beautiful. I think it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, we just want to know that our person had a beautiful life. There have been some instances for me where I find it very difficult to grasp the fact that my friend had to die at 32 because that's just not right. You know, that's so far from what we think of a full life. I've had experiences in the past year, it'll be two weeks from now uh, is the anniversary of his death. And I've had experiences in the past year where I'm like, this is messed up that he doesn't get to have this experience now. And I've reached out to friends and be like, please just remind me that he had a good life. Please just remind me that he took advantage of everything. And he really did. That guy traveled and partied and was so intermeshed with all of our friends and took care of his family. And and he lived a good life. But I need to be reminded of that sometimes. I need to hear the stories of the the trips that he took and the nights out that he had and the ways that he helped people. I need to be reminded that he lived. So again, this reminder to anybody, if you're you're a little worried to bring up somebody's person, just know that it's not a reminder that they died. We think about the fact that they died all the time, but it's a reminder that they lived. And maybe if you're grieving your own person, this is something that you can send to people to let them know, hey, it is okay to talk to me about it. In fact, I'd prefer that you did because it's helpful. It's, it's a reminder to me of the life that they did have. That's such a nice note. I almost want to end it on that because I feel like it's like a little bit of a upbeat kind of thing, but I'm not going to. I have a couple more things I want to address. Uh, Melissa Rivers, remember her, Joan Rivers' daughter? She is in the news recently. She releases her fourth book soon called Lies My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman, which is a hilarious title. And uh, she's talking about the death of her mom, obviously Joan Rivers, comedic legend. She died in 2014 after a botched medical procedure at the age of 81. I didn't realize this, but Melissa's father, I guess it was an ex-husband of Joan, also had died uh, in the late 80s. He died by suicide. So that is a lot of tragedy that happened for Melissa. And she knows a lot about grief, unfortunately, from the loss of both of her parents. She had a quote in this article uh, talking about the book coming up saying, I think with grief, you have to acknowledge it and try not to hide it. I always say grief is a universal emotion. That's very true. You know how much we say you cannot hide it. And in terms of quotes, another good one here, she references Winston Churchill that she says a quote that essentially became her family's motto when she was growing up. When you find yourself in hell, keep walking. That's what you have to do when the shit hits the fan. Keep going. You're going to get to the other side. It's true. I I mean, you think about all these hard things that you've been through in life. You've never stayed completely stuck in the mud. I think sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it certainly feels like the mud is thicker than others. But there is always another side. And that's, I think, the lesson that I've learned, especially that I did get to a good place where the sun can shine and food has its flavors and I can smile and mean it with my grief. So if I can do that after the loss of a parent... I can do that with anything, right? Like 
there's not much in life that can completely take you down if you've learned this lesson of just keep going, just keep walking through the shitstorm, pretty much in the words of Winston, the words of Winston Churchill. So that's what I have to say on Melissa Rivers. Also, an article in The Atlantic this week from Marissa Renee Lee. She's the author of Grief is Love, Living with Loss. I just started following her on Instagram. First of all, the cover of her book is beautiful. You know, I'm very into pink, but there's a lot of colors woven in. And she has this book coming out. I think it just came out on the 12th on my dad's birthday. That's right. Because I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Perhaps that's a sign that I should get the book. Anyway, her article in The Atlantic is titled Grief Everywhere. And the subtitle of this, I thought, was an incredible quote. We must not mistake a return to normal life as the end of someone's pain. So true. You know it in your own life, just because you're going back to work, you're going back to the grocery store, you're doing your normal things again, doesn't mean that grief is over. Doesn't mean that it's the end of your pain. So keep that in mind with other people in your life too. And this article has a lot to do with hitting the nearly 1 million Americans that have died in the coronavirus pandemic, which is just absolutely outrageous. And as we as a society start talking about, oh, we're returning to normal, you know, masks are not necessarily needed, or we're going back to regular activities, things are normal, normal, normal. It's not. This country, this world, everybody has been through so much. Continue having grace with people. Continue just thinking about what everybody might have gone through in the past two years and how we can give a little bit more grace. Let's see. I think that is all I had lined up in the way of grief in the news. And I just want to close it out by letting you know what is coming up in the coming weeks. As I teased out, we have a very special guest, Rebecca Sofer, coming on in May. She is the co-founder of Modern Loss, the wildly popular Instagram, the website, the blog, the book, and her second book is coming out that will be available on the grief boutique i can't wait to share all that with you as well had a great talk with her she's gonna need to be on this podcast like way more than just once because she was amazing i loved it also coming up when i went to the podcast conference i met a really cool duo michael and amit they host a podcast called famous and gravy you have to go check it out they look at celebrities that have died and they analyze first of all the obituaries which is very interesting task. And that should be just a podcast in itself. Let's just analyze random obituaries. Obituary writing, it's so archaic. It can be done so much better. So maybe we'll talk with Michael about that because yes, Michael is coming on the show. We're going to talk about the lives of debit celebrities, what we can learn from them, the lessons that can be found. The most, One of the most recent episodes they had was on Alex Trebek. Super interesting. And then one of my favorites was Shirley Temple. You'll have to go back and listen to that one. And a ton of other people that I met at the podcast conference were so great. My favorite, Sienna Stewart. I miss you. I love you. She hosts a podcast called Dying Kindness. And it's all about the ways that you can take care of your business around death so that you can leave the others in your life in a good place when you are gone. She is absolutely fantastic. I will have to get her on this show. We are planning to do that. So when that is scheduled, I will let you know. But that is some fun stuff we have coming up on So Sorry for Your Loss, plus the launch of the Grief Boutique. Oh my gosh, lots of fun stuff. Thanks for being here for all of it. I love you so much. Message me on social at So Sorry with Gianna, and I will see you soon. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned.